Hello, everybody, and welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean, Arif. A lot of we're, things have happened. We're not, we're not going to do this podcast like we just saw the Avalanche almost blow a two-goal lead to Anaheim and then no, that was power close. plays. That's what I was going to say. I mean, so, <laughs> a, a lot's happened since since we lost talk there. I mean, we've had Rantanen's 50th goal. He's, he's now at 54, right? The Avs pummeled the Sharks that night in the back-to-back. I mean, they kind of took over both games. Um, the Avs clinch a playoff spot since we last spoke, but there was never really any doubt there. Avs steal one in LA and almost get one stolen back by, you know, I, I thought they got goalied there for a second, um, but they willed their way back. So five games in a row now with the win. I guess, where do you want to start? Uh, and where... Uh, I guess where have we left off? <laughs> Let's start with uh, what we just watched. I, the entire day, I thought we were going to go into this podcast and speak about other things, you know, playoff picture, which we'll talk about Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon, which we'll talk about, but like actually breaking down a game against San Jose Anaheim. Like, I didn't think those things would happen, but we're going to do it with this game because that was, that was a game and, and, and the avalanche, somehow came away with two points when it didn't seem like they were going to do it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the Ducks shot themselves in the foot, right? But the Ducks have been given the Avalanche fits all year. We remember when the Ducks came into Ball Arena and beat the Avalanche. Of course, John Gibson had himself a night that night. And I've seen it all year long with the Ducks. I brought it up many times already in this podcast because I often bet against them. So I watch them a lot and they're, they're just that annoying team. They're like a fly that just won't go away. They hang around games and they hang around games and ultimately always lose in overtime. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's just good for the avalanche to take advantage of the power play scenarios that they were given and, and execute on them. Right. I mean, the power play three goals there in the third period, or I guess two in the third period, one in overtime. That's really what won them the game. Yeah. I mean, it's just wild how not just the game went away. I mean, it's it's two things. It's the it's the Avalanche scoring the first two and the last three. It's needing three power plays. Well, not necessarily needing, but taking advantage of three out of four power plays, I should say, to get those three goals late in the game and in overtime. Um, but it's also just just it's such a weird mirror image of blowing the power play early to using the power play late to win. Uh, having the lead early to blowing it to getting the lead back late and winning just everything about that was just a weird it was one of the kind of games where like I'm not going to read too much into it I know I've been like going on and on about it for three minutes even cut Mm. you off in the beginning but like it's just one of those games where it's like look you're not going to play the Anaheim Ducks again you're not going to play anybody like this you would imagine the Avalanche are going to wake up for games like they did against Dallas not necessarily against LA but you know what a road trip is a grind and they went 4 and 0 on it that's still pretty impressive but you take the two points you walk away just like you did in San Jose where you needed to get you know pass regulation just like in Arizona that one game where you thought you had it in the bag and then suddenly Barrett Hayton and uh, Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller made it go to overtime so like you just take the points, you move on, you go to the next one. It's just wild how it all kind of unfolded. The power play is definitely something worth talking about. A road trip is a grind, but I feel like it's a, a lot less of a grind when you're spending almost a week in California and getting 
you know, two two games in a, in one city where you don't have to necessarily pack up and go that night. You can kind of settle in in a hotel. So I almost feel like this was a nice little recharging road trip for the Avalanche. And Anaheim and LA are, are close enough where you can right. pretty much do the same thing. Yeah, you could probably just stay in the same hotel even if you if you really yeah. wanted. So uh, yeah, a, a nice little recharge, I guess, as far as road trips go. But um, looking at Rantanen and McKinnon, I mean, they, they're the ones that really willed that win there in the third period yeah. in overtime. But um, you know, I think once we saw uh, Rantanen get that 50th goal, you're like, all right, maybe they're going to relax a little bit, take the foot off the gas pedal, <laughs> especially after the LA Kings game too, right? I mean, you saw McKinnon only get two shots on goal. Rantanen ended with zero in LA. So you're like, yeah, this is this is the beginning of them exhaling a little bit. But you saw them really turn it on tonight in Anaheim, which I think is a positive despite, you know, all the other shortcomings, I guess, that that came along with, with the evening. Miko Rantanen entered the California road trip coming off of a four point night against Dallas. And he had two more four point nights on the road trip and came away with 10 points and five goals. Like he literally had five goals and five assists in four games. And granted they came again, San Jose, San Jose and Anaheim, but you take the points Mm -hmm. and the schedule as it lies four points against Dallas is something to marvel over and then it's even crazier like you said eight shots six shots and then zero um but these guys are carrying the team and something that we haven't mentioned yet in the first few minutes of this podcast that's been kind of unfolding as this road trip has continued is Kale McCarr and Darren Helm both out and then Bowen Byram gets uh sick he's got an illness he's out so I can't wait for Bowen Byram to be sick until August because of this team <laughs> but, and then McKinnon and Rantanen you know already carrying the team have to carry the team even more you know Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson was suddenly your second pair going with Gerard and Taves which Gerard and Taves of the four guys at the top Mc, uh McCarr and Byram and Gerard and and Taves those are the two that just like and obviously there's Josh Manson too but like of those four guys, the Gerard and Taves pairing is the one that's just like just feels weird. Everything about it just feels weird. Maybe it's because they're they don't play a lot together. Maybe it's because they're both lefties. Something is odd about that pair that I don't like. And obviously the Avalanche are gonna play them together because you're not gonna play one of them with Jack and the other one with Eric. So, you know, there's a lot of things that the Avalanche are doing great on this road trip. And it, it you know, that they did great, I should say, on the road trip because it's over. And, you know, as much as it is Anaheim and L.A. and uh, and San Jose and San Jose and only one of those teams is a good team in L.A. and they were kind of unraveling when the Avs played them, you still got to take into account three games and four nights. You got to take into account Frankie playing his first game since February 7th. And you absolutely have to take into account that Byram and McCarr and obviously Darren Helm is a depth guy have all exited the lineup over these last four games and they're still coming out with four wins. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to touch on there. I mean. I guess let's. Uh, I'll I'll start with simply saying, you know, the, the, it was. It's been nice to see the the depth showing up a little bit, right? Two goals from Malgan. You had a comfort goal tonight against Anaheim. You saw New Hook chip one in the other day. So it hasn't it, it been entirely on the backs of McKinnon and Rantanen, which is some good momentum heading forward. But um, yeah, I guess let's get into Francouz a little bit because. Georgiev really won them that game, I think, in, in, against L.A. I mean, yeah. he was he was spectacular, and he's been spectacular for a, a, a pretty decent stretch, right? How many two-on-ones have we seen him stop sliding across the crease lately? I can think of at least three um, just pivotal saves from him. But Fransuz, I mean, it was a much-needed appearance from him. I think just 
a to start building some confidence before the playoffs here but b i mean they've been riding Georgiev for quite a long time i mean i know they sprinkled johansson in there a little bit but they've been very conservative with that yeah i mean Georgiev's going to finish the season playing you know over 60 games he might not to jinx him but he he has a chance of hitting 40 wins like these are not numbers you thought were going to happen coming into the season with two goalies that you were going to deploy. One of the things that's the most important is obviously Frankie hasn't been as lucky with his health as Georgiev. So you're having a little bit of issues there. And even when you go into last year, like Kemper had health issues, which made the games kind of even out a little bit more when Frankie was healthy. But what you have in Georgiev right now is a guy that is going to be among the most, he's going to be one of, five or six guys that's going to play above 60 games and and that's that's pretty crazy but it's it's the teams that you expect like Vasilevsky's one game away from 60 Georgiev's one game away from 60 and then it's UC Soros at 62 Connor Hellebuck Jake Ottinger Ilya Sorokin for some reason Jordan Bennington's in there but he's not going to the playoffs but like a lot of the teams that are either fighting for their spots or have a clear number one Sorokin Ottinger Hellebuck you know those kind of guys and then Georgiev is sprinkled in like it, it doesn't really like match the rest of those guys in terms of reputation yet. Maybe he can build it, but it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on that the Avalanche were able to get Frankie back. Because if you remember, what was it, two, three weeks ago, like we didn't know if he was going to play again this season. It was there was a weird question mark with Frankie, just as there has been all year with Landis Gog and Manson again for some reason, like there wasn't a guarantee that he was going to be back. And now you're at a point where, you know, you have Edmonton on Tuesday and you absolutely are playing Georgiev in that one. But then you got a back-to-back against Nashville Winnipeg where you can deploy the two of them again, maybe play Georgiev on Thursday, Frankie on Friday to close out the season. There could be a lot on the line. We'll get into that. Um, And then you might not play again until Tuesday or Wednesday. The playoffs start Monday, but I would assume the Avalanche are not going to start Monday because they have one of those... Like Friday wasn't supposed to happen, the game against Nashville. That's the makeup game that was rescheduled, that was canceled many months ago. So I would assume because of the canceled game Friday, since the season was supposed to end Thursday, that the Avalanche won't start Monday. So if you play Georgiev Thursday and now you have Fransuz back in your in, in the grind, you can play him Friday and give Georgiev a good five, maybe even six days between games in the playoffs starting. Like that's really big for the avalanche to get Pavel back. Like he's very important. Even if he didn't have a good night against Anaheim, he's shaking off some cobwebs. It's good to have him back. Yeah. I wouldn't even say he had a bad night because I feel like it was just the other day. He was even stepping back on the ice with the regular team and even seeing shots at at a regular rate. Right. So the fact that he's still kind of cold and the kind of jump in the way he he did, he had a, 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 perfect first period he changes his lid right he, ch- he switches helmets for some reason i think just maybe because the colors were clashing and maybe somebody suggested it to him but um not as strong of a second period but i think he looked fine i mean he looked aggressive which which is a great sign for his confidence and his movement was fine and it's my, it's my speculation you know that it's it's somewhere around the groin hip area that he's bothered i mean that's kind of what's been bothering him for years now so um, that affects movement, right? So I, th- I thought I saw his movement being right where it needs to be. So I- I'm confident that we're going to be able to to move forward with these two goalies and not have to um, resort to any last case scenarios because um, I think that would be detrimental to the team. But I-, I think they're looking they're looking a okay for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, 
the the biggest conversation that should be had right now is what's going on with Kale McCarr. I know I know there was some better news from uh, Kyle Fredrickson. If you saw it on Friday or Saturday, Jared Bednar kind of I think it was Saturday. He changed his tune from we don't have a timeline to we'll consider McCarr day to day, and it doesn't seem like it's a big thing. And it, you know, the reason why we didn't talk about about it much these past few days, and even when we recorded last, it's like. Cal McCarr and Darren Helm and even Darren Helm, like as much as he's been injured over and over again this year, I still don't look too much into it for two guys that have been in and out of the lineup a lot this year to both be back out of the lineup right when the avalanche clinched a playoff spot. Like I, I just, I can't read a lot into that. I really, really can't. Um, and obviously we have the confirmation that it's day to day for McCarr. So that's big. And you know, that's, that's probably the biggest question because we've been, I've been saying this and we've been talking about this for many shows now. Like we've been, it's been a couple of weeks now that with a healthy Georgiev and Frankie with a healthy blue line, this is the bread and butter of the team. They need Makar and Byram and Caves and Gerard and Jack and Eric. And if you get Josh Manson back as well, and you have all seven of your guys rolling all the better, because this is what's going to carry this team into the playoffs. It's their defense. It's the goaltending. It's having both Frankie and Georgie, and it's having a great defense in front of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, with with Ko McCarr, you saw it a couple times this year already, right? He the, the Avalanche would start with a win streak, and then suddenly he would take some some games off. And until that win streak was really snapped, that's when we started seeing Kale McCarr again. And I think this is just another case where, Hey, we're doing fine without him. Why rush him? Let's just keep him sideline, keep him fresh and, and make sure he's ready to go come playoff time. So yeah, I don't think there's much to look into there. And, and, and I think you're seeing a lot of signs and you're reminiscent of last year, right? I mean, we remember Devon Taves was resting pretty much for the end of the season, all the way up until playoff time. Nazem Kadri, Nazem Kadri, Ranton and Landeskog. And another yep. thing that I think you're seeing that's reminding me a lot of last year is these winning streaks that they're putting together here to close out the year. That's exactly what they did last year, right? They would go on a, on a six, seven game tear, lose one, and then turn it right back on and go on another five, six game tear after that. So they're, they're doing that right now. Everything is just kind of starting to feel a lot like it did last year right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can tell when the team has something to play for because last year they did it over and over and over again. And it was like January, February, March. But then when April came around, cause obviously last year went all the way to April 29th or whatever they lost, excuse me. They lost six of their last seven games. And that was when all the guys were resting this year. They have so much more to play for, which I might be doing this transition thing that you usually do, but you know, you have the Edmonton game on Tuesday and you just mentioned Kale McCarr. What do you think about him playing there? Because again, I mean, I, I hinted at it already. There is a lot that the avalanche could be playing for here. Do you think McCarr plays Tuesday? Um, I think right now the avalanche kind of have a, a, a lead in the central, right? I mean, it, it's not a tie. I don't think it's a desperation win. Let me, let me, let me ask you this before you finish answering that question. There's a reason why I'm cutting you off here. Seattle is on a four game winning streak and Vegas plays them twice to close out the year. Can you see Seattle winning one of those games? Yeah. Okay. So we, we figured that out. Seattle and Vegas are going to split. Did you know if Seattle and Vegas split the avalanche winning out means they win the West? 
I they did would not control their own. They would control their own destiny. So that's what I've been hinting at. If Seattle beats Vegas one time, the Avalanche control their own destiny for first in the Western Conference, not just in the Central. So I ask again: Is Kel McCarr playing Tuesday? Oh, <laughs> I guess. Like, I mean, they... are, are you looking to play Winnipeg, or would you rather play Seattle? I feel like a lot of people would answer that the Kraken are the more favorable team when it comes I to would... matchups. You get the higher seed, you play the team at the bottom of the standings, the Kraken. <clears throat> Can you beat the Kraken? Yes. Can you beat the Minnesota Wild if you don't even win the division? Yes. But the Winnipeg Jets are the number eight seed for a reason. I, I remember a game in November where uh, the Avalanche went up to Winnipeg and lost five nothing. I think they uh -huh. definitely have. And I remember a game in, and I night. remember and I remember a game in November where Boston came to Denver and Charles Houdon was a was a first line right winger. Like it is what it is. Like that was a long time ago is basically what I'm saying. How many, how many of Dryden hunt Anton bleed? Uh, I don't want to say said like Jason Magna, Martin Cow. How many of those guys played that game against Winnipeg? Cause I also remember a couple weeks later when the avalanche went into Winnipeg and scored uh, four goals on five games, oh, oh, Jesus, four goals on five shots on Connor Hellebuck. And it wasn't a couple weeks after that. It was a couple months after that. Like there is a clear divide for me. And there's a reason why Winnipeg is in a race with Calgary and Nashville. Granted, it's looking more like Winnipeg is going to solidify it, but they haven't even done that yet. Like, there's a big reason why the number eight seed has not all but clinched a playoff spot at this point, like the number seven and above. Sure. Again, the yeah. Avalanche can beat Seattle. It's not the end of the world if they don't win the West. The Avalanche can beat Minnesota. They can even beat Minnesota if they end up third in the Central. I know. But there is a big chance that beating Edmonton puts you in a huge position to be first in the Western conference. You can win all three of your games and Dallas sweeps or, and sorry, and Vegas sweeps Seattle and you're shit out of luck. But all it takes is one loss for Vegas. All it takes is one, one loss to Seattle. Seattle just needs to beat them once in regulation. I will say that or twice in overtime, but like Dallas has to collect two or one points. And I keep saying Dallas, Vegas has to collect two or one points in those two games against Seattle. And you're in the driver's seat for top spot in the West. You want that. You know, this team is thinking about it. You know, they want it. I just think, it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Winnipeg is literally backing their way into the playoffs, but it does, as long as you're playing one of the two wildcard teams, I think you're comfortable. So again, Circling back, I don't think you need to force Makar for this one because they're playing just fine. They're still on the win streak. And yeah, maybe they had a little hiccup tonight against Anaheim, but they found a way to do it. So as long as they still find a way to do it until they prove otherwise, I don't think you have to, to force him in there just to uh, get some wins. What if you're not forcing him? What if, what if today was the game where you didn't force him and he could have played today because he was day-to-day? -day? And tomorrow he's good, and and Tuesday's the game that he plays. Well, then yeah, I think logically you, you yeah. throw him back out there as long as he's saying yeah. Yeah, as, yeah, he, as I'm long not, as he's yeah. giving you the green light. I'm not saying throw him out there like when Darren Helm returned in January just to reaggravate an injury, or Josh Manson, you know, same thing, or even Kale himself with the concussion issues. Granted, different kind of injury to reaggravate. Um, but if you can use Kale McCarr against Edmonton, you play him. 
Like it's a big game. Like the avalanche Edmonton game is at it's scheduled for seven 30 mountain time, which probably means seven 52 because it's an ESPN double header, uh, national broadcast game. The Kraken and the golden Knights play at eight o'clock. Something to keep in mind for that first Seattle Vegas game. Seattle will be on the second of a back to back because they will be in Arizona the previous night. And then they will be in Vegas on Tuesday. So you can almost all, but certainly pencil in a Vegas win on Tuesday. So like, if the Avalanche beat the Oilers and and Vegas beat Seattle, which you expect probably, then you're going into Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Or sorry, you're going into Thursday where Colorado hosts Winnipeg and Seattle hosts Vegas. If both of those games go in your favor, you're going into game 82 playing for number one in the West. And I get I know there's a lot of ifs here because I was preparing this segment in my head three, four hours ago before the puck even dropped in Anaheim and the avalanche almost blew this entire scenario against that team, not even Edmonton or Winnipeg or Nashville, two teams fighting for a playoff spot and the Edmonton Oilers who are red, red hot nine Oh and one the last 10, they almost blew it to Anaheim. So that's the funny part. The other thing to keep in mind is if somehow some way, some miraculous thing happens where Seattle beats Vegas twice, Colorado can go two and one. They don't even have to go three and oh. The one thing to keep in mind is if that one loss comes against Edmonton, well, then Edmonton can win out and win the West, Colorado second, Vegas third. So, like, there is still a lot at play here, is what I'm trying to get at. You're not just fighting for the central anymore. You're looking above. You're looking at other things that are that are in the picture now because you have a two-point lead on the Dallas Stars. Uh, what is it now? A four-point lead on the Minnesota Wild, I think. Let me make sure of that. You have a four-point lead on the Minnesota Wild. Would we have said that a week and a half ago when Minnesota beat the Avs in Denver? It's just crazy. You have a four-point lead on Minnesota. You have a two-point lead on Dallas. Three games remaining for everyone. You're looking above this, man. There's there's more to play for suddenly. You really put the if in Arif. <laughs> um, but no, by no means am I rooting for load management. Uh, that was such a 10 o'clock joke. <laughs> I, I think if it, if anybody's healthy and ready to go, you, you play them because, yeah, they're still playing for something. So, um, no, I'm not ready to, to turtle and just rest, guys, just because. Um, real quick, guys, baseball is back in the push for the postseason is on for hockey and for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas plus you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. So don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I have a couple other notes that would have probably fit in earlier in the show um, from tonight's game, but I, I yeah, I, let's go back to it. Let's go back to it. Cause I have uh, another thing of tonight's game as well. Yeah. They're both regarding the power play, right? I, I think, um, first of all, it, it, it looked like they were throwing a couple different looks on the power play. And, you know, yeah. you, you kind of spoke about Byron being out, Kale McCarr being out. 
And this is what kind of what they did last year too, right? They used this little stretch while also winning games to kind of experiment with different things and experiment with different looks um, to get ready for the playoffs and to have different, because there was a while I remember last year, was it playoff time where it really felt like there was a book out on the avalanche power play. And it seemed like no matter what they did, they just, they were just getting shut down at every turn. Well, I think, Jared Bednar maybe learned from those lessons and is, is getting ready to have some different things up his sleeve and, and keep, uh, keep everybody on their toes. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. They're well over 25. Well, not well over, but they're at 25.1% on the power play. Now uh, it's pretty crazy that they've dropped back to fifth because Toronto, Tampa Bay and LA have all gone on PP heaters here in the last few days, just like the avalanche did tonight. Granted three for eight is not a heater, but three big goals at the end, three for four, I should say three on your last four opportunities. Um, but they're top five, they're top five for a reason. And, and it's something you need to carry in, especially the penalty kill as well. And, you know, like you said, like, it's so nice that this year they're kind of being forced into it. Uh, I don't know if you remember, actually, no, you would definitely not remember. There was a game where Terry was, uh, asked Jared a question. And obviously you wouldn't remember because Terry was at the games when you were on daddy duty. So Terry asked Jared a question maybe about a month ago about, you know, last year you guys had the opportunity to, after the trade, it was right after the trade deadline. You guys had the opportunity to test out some things. And do you envision doing that again? And Jared shut it down right away and said, no, different team this year. We're fighting for spots this year. We're, we're not locked up like we were last year, which is a very obvious answer. So this time around, the Avalanche are getting to test out different things, but they're kind of being forced into it, just like they've been forced into a lot of things this season. And it's because... They haven't had Landis goal year. So who can pitch in on that power play? Miko Rantanen is suddenly scoring all these big goals. How could we maximize that? How can we maximize Nathan McKinnon having 26 goals since the All-Star break? How can we maximize Sam Gerrard's offensive abilities? He started the season with seven points in the first 25 games. Now he's at a career high. He's almost at 40 points. How can we maximize using JT Confer on the power play? Well, how can we maximize Arturi Lekkanen? Oh, he broke his hand? Okay, well, now we got to replace him. How could we maximize the next guy? So they've been forced into so many things. And then using a game like Anaheim, where you were uh, handed a few <laughs> power plays, I should say, late in the game, and you know, a five-on-three early and things like that. Granted, the five-on-three was deserved. The ones late were the questionable ones. Um, it's the best time to test some things out. You were kind of forced into this situation. Uh, it wasn't the same way as last year. But it's still something that you can benefit from because this entire season has been a learning curve for the Avalanche. And that's a very weird thing to say about a team that just won the Stanley Cup. But they've learned so much about themselves from that opening night puck drop against the Chicago Blackhawks to now. And a lot of it could be used to their advantage in the postseason. Right. And one thing that they've learned about themselves and we all have learned about them is when they are forced, they're they're succeeding. They're thriving when things are forced. Right. And uh, you saw it tonight with that timeout that Jared Bednar took in between the power plays. He needed to go with his PP one. He had very little confidence in PP two. And he said, we got to force these guys to stay on the ice if we want to have any chance at getting a win here. And, and it worked. Right. So we've seen that all year long. We were forced to play. Uh, Houdon on right wing tonight and what what happens Nathan or uh, Miko Rantanen has a big night and somehow figures out a way to win or Alexander Georgiev steps up and they find a way to win I mean uh, of course we know that's a great 
look of a, of a playoff team finding ways to win. But I think even more so their backs have been against the wall all season long and they've come out with flying colors. And it's still crazy to me that they have won 29 games out of the last 39. It's still crazy that despite everything that we've talked about since that January, I want to say 12, January 12th, that's what it was. Since that loss to the Chicago Blackhawks, do you remember the stretch coming right out of it? That stretch where the Avalanche were smoking teams, Ottawa 7-0, Detroit 6-3, then they went to Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, won every single game. Like then they came back and beat the Capitals. It was that that first, okay, this team is backstretch. And then after those six straight wins, Anaheim came into Denver, trailing three to one in the third period. Does it sound familiar? Scored four straight goals. Vetrano had a couple goals like he did today. And the Avalanche lost to the Anaheim Ducks. And you're like, okay, well, this is bad again. Then the very next game was the one where Jordan Bennington tried to fight 18,000 people for some reason. And then the Avalanche won that game, went into the All-Star break feeling well, came out of the All-Star break, gave up a late lead to the Pittsburgh Penguins in a game where they were leading one nothing and lost in overtime thanks to Sidney Crosby. Then they went into Tampa Bay and got shellacked 5 nothing. Then they beat the Panthers. Then Tampa Bay came here and beat them again. And you're like, oh, well, here we go again. Then they had another winning streak. So it just felt like, and then obviously they had the loss, you know, and now skipping a bunch of games in recent weeks. They had a chance for first place, lost to Pittsburgh on a Wednesday night. Then they beat Arizona, Arizona, Anaheim. Once again, chance for first place against Minnesota, lost on that Wednesday night. Then they beat Dallas. They're back in the driver's seat. Beat San Jose, needed overtime in a shootout in one of them. Needed uh, a miraculous game from Georgiev and some lucky bounces in LA. And then in Anaheim, needed to come back from two goals. Like It just feels like the entire season even with the fact that they've won 29 of their last 39 games has just been a grind in every aspect for this team, which could go one of two ways. It can either completely gut this team and exhaust them before the playoffs, or it could just be a continuous humbling, you know, lesson after lesson where this team's going to go into the postseason being like, you know what? We are the defending cup champs, but the reason why Tampa made it to three straight finals is because they had their backs against the wall. And if they didn't, in their mind, they did because that's what it takes to win in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. not coincidentally, Nathan McKinnon has been on a tear throughout that entire stretch as well, right? And we've talked about how, you know, he's kind of been carrying them and, and willing them to victories here down the stretch as well. When Rantanen was kind of taking care of business early in the season, now they're both teaming up and, and really making it making it happen right now and I mean look at those two goals tonight two one-timers out of Nathan McKinnon the, there was a, a while where that one-timer was almost too predictable almost too stoppable yeah. if he even hit the net tonight it was oh you know the, their, their goalie on that first one-timer was perfectly square perfectly in position to challenge that shot and there was still nothing he can do about it it's starting to become a way more dangerous and effective one-timer than it used to be Absolutely. And I, I even remember there was a point early in the season uh, and actually not even early. Maybe it was like December, January, like, you know, right around the halfway mark, if not the other side of game 41, where I said to you, it feels like it's been a while since we've seen that circle to circle McKinnon to Ranton or vice versa pass one timer on the power play for a goal. And I think we saw what three of them today, <laughs> like just today alone, not even recent games. It just felt like the avalanche were figured out on that sense. And now suddenly 
we're seeing them kind of get back into that groove again, just in time for the postseason, which is nice, but you're seeing McKinnon's shot start to be, I mean, it's always been dangerous, but it was kind of getting a little figured out there again, 13 goals in 37 games is not a lot to, it's not a lot for McKinnon standards. That's around a 29, 30 goal pace over a full season. And now he's at 39. Like he's completely turned it around and it's that shot. And it's that one timer. It's a big reason why. Yeah. I think if, uh, they do get a lot of power plays during the playoffs. They're going to be dangerous because they've found multiple ways to get guys open and multiple strategies to use to to really um, you know confuse the opposition. So uh, yeah, I, I I like what I'm seeing out of the power play, bar none. I mean, I, I just more than I've seen all season. It's it's buzzing at a rate that that we haven't seen. Nathan McKinnon ranting and buzzing at a rate we haven't seen, and Alexander Georgiev's playing great. If they could just get a little bit more health on the blue line, I mean, everything seems to be heading the right direction. Yeah, let me uh, do that transition thing again because I have a question for you about Nathan McKinnon. The Avalanche in their last seven games are 6-1. and one. Um, Obviously, the one loss being the game to Minnesota on March 29. They've since won five straight. They beat Dallas and then four straight in California. Uh, and before that, they had beaten the Anaheim Ducks. They also had beaten Arizona twice, but I'm just going the last seven games are six and one. My question to you is, do you know how many game winning goals McKinnon has this season? No, I don't. Okay. Cause Miko Rantanen has got nine. There was a time in the middle of March, three weeks ago where I said, man, McKinnon's scoring a lot, but he only has three game winning goals. Then he had the one in Detroit, the game that I was at that brought him to four. These last six avalanche wins. They beat Anaheim, then obviously lost to Minnesota, then Dallas, San Jose, San Jose, LA, Anaheim. Who had the game-winning goal tonight? McKinnon. Okay. Against the LA Kings, do you remember who had the game-winning goal? The fourth goal yesterday? Was it Morgan? Yep. Every other game that I mentioned, Nathan McKinnon's got the game-winning goal. He's got the game-winning goal in five of the last six Avalanche wins. He had the game-winning goal in Anaheim, then they lost to Minnesota, then he had the game-winning goal versus Dallas, then San Jose, then San Jose. Three games in a row, four wins in a row. Then goose egg against LA, and here he is again, game-winning goal. He's up to nine. He's tied with Miko Rantanen. He had three, three weeks ago, and now he's up to nine. He's got six in the last three weeks. Just crazy. And I know some of that is like fortunate and lucky, like the Avalanche. You know, they had a four to two lead against LA and then LA scored a goal, which made Dennis Malgin's goal number four, which wouldn't have been the game winning goal, not the game winning goal. Like, yeah, things like that happen. But we've also seen a lot of goals at clutch times, you know, like an overtime goal today or an overtime goal against San Jose in that first game or a big goal against San Jose on April 6th in the, the game where Miko hit 50 or the two goals versus Dallas in that big game. Like he's scoring a lot of clutch goals. He's not just getting game winning goals handed to him. He's almost getting burnt out on him on the celebration in tonight's <laughs> goal. He was just kind of like, hey, all right. Cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, nice. last last time you and I talked, we were talking about Nathan McKinnon needing to average 4.8 shots per game just to get to his uh, career high in shots. He had nine today. Yeah, he had two the other night, but nine today. Like, he's he's right there. He's shooting everything. He's feeling, like, every bit of confidence with his shot, which sometimes you can tell when Nathan McKinnon's gripping the stick too tight. You saw it early in the season. You saw it early last season. As many times as he wants to deny it, he has those moments. He doesn't right now. 
Yes, 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 indeed. Final week of the regular season ahead, Arif. As you mentioned, Edmonton on Tuesday and then Winnipeg Thursday and wrapping up Friday, Nashville. So, um, yeah, let's see how the how the final week ends and how the final standings end up, because like you mentioned, a lot a lot's still up in the air. So a lot to pay attention to this. week. Yeah. Yeah, there's again, I know the scenario that I played out is a lot of ifs, ifs, ifs and ifs, but there is a chance that we could wake up Wednesday morning with all the avalanche have to do is win two games and they win the West. Like there's a big chance of that, but you got to play that game Tuesday against an incredible Edmonton Oilers team. They are playing such good hockey right now. And uh, this is something that I tweeted out uh, during the game. And it still holds true now, obviously right now in the NHL, we have eight guys and if you include Miko Rantanen, actually now nine guys in the NHL have hit 100 points, and we have a few more that are knocking on the door. Of those nine guys, three of them play for Edmonton. Two of them now play for Colorado because of Miko, who hit 100 and is now at 102 or 103 or whatever he's at now, 102. The Avalanche and the Oilers, barring something miraculous, and when I say miraculous, I mean like Braden Point getting nine points in two games or something like that. Barring something miraculous, the Avalanche and the Oilers are going to be the only two games that end the NHL season with more than one 100-point score. They're going to be the only one. The Oilers have three. The Avalanche have two. That game Tuesday is going to be so much fun. Both of these teams are riding hot streaks. Edmonton's won seven straight. Colorado's won five straight. Both of these teams are fighting for first in their division when it didn't seem like it a few weeks ago. Both of these teams, again, all Vegas needs to do is lose one game and the winner of Tuesday's game will control their own destiny to be first in the West. So a lot riding on that game Tuesday, and you better hope Georgie's on his game like he was against LA. Hopefully you have Makar back, and it's just going to be a fun game at Ball Arena. Man, way to hype it up. I'm, I'm excited for it. You're Good marketing. <laughs> You're like a Don Cherry. No, not Don Cherry. Don King. Yeah. Don King. You. I was like, what the hell? Sorry. <laughs> Hong Don. You're the Don King of hockey, Arif. The man who puts the if in Arif. <laughs> Arif Dean. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good place to stop. Uh, it is a Sunday show, but um, we're going to cut a little short because it was a late night post-game show. Um, nice of the NHL to give us a decently uh, early start despite being on the West Coast. I Just amazing to me how they have the uh, Saturday slate of every single NHL team playing in the league and the very absolute last puck drop just happens to be the avalanche versus the Kings. <laughs> yeah that was that was a long day um and then today obviously only two games so four teams were playing tonight after playing yesterday which also by the way is something to keep in mind when you get to the end of the regular season i believe when the avalanche play nashville on friday they will also be playing a back-to-back so like today no team is going to have the advantage colorado and anaheim both played yesterday Colorado and Nashville will have both played on Thursday before they meet Friday. Yep. So thanks for hanging out with us here on Hockey Mountain High, where we love to complain about game start times. Um, you know, there'll be more of that come playoff time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check out Superbook Sports, guys, and, and start wagering. Come, you know, once the playoffs are here, it's even more exciting when you got a little scratch in the game. So, um, yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back this week for uh, more tasty podcasts. So uh, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We got you.